Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Euro Trips podcast. Uh, once again, me and, me and the lads are talking all things European football. My name is Andy, I am the host, and I'm once again joined by Ryan, Naeem and Alex. How are you boys? Good, thank you. Good, thank you. And you, Naeem, Naeem, Ryan, you all good? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm all good. Okay. Yeah, not too bad, mate. You sure? It took, took a while to answer that question. <laughs> Something okay at home, huh, guys? <laughs> Still thinking about last night. Yeah, it's oh. been a traumatic 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> still still recovering, eh? Still recovering. Yeah. No mm. alcohol's needed, mate. More, more than that, I think. Hardcore <laughs> <call> drugs. <laughs> yeah. Good God, definitely. Um, so, yeah, well, uh, as you all know from previous podcasts, we'll once again be discussing the um, four big leagues in England, Italy, Spain and France. And once again, I've got my imaginary hat. So I'm going to pick out, um, pick out the four teams once again, and we'll four leagues once again, and we'll see who comes out first. So drum roll, please. So the first league we'll talk about today is uh, La Liga. So Naeem, our um, Spanish football guy, uh, take it away. Yeah, so I'm going to start uh, down at the bottom of the table today. So. Ibar, who I said hadn't won a game since January the 3rd, they managed to beat Deportivo 3-0 at home on the weekend with Kiki scoring a hat-trick. This leaves them five points from safety with four games to play. So when I said last week that they're dead and buried, I didn't expect them to win 3-0 against Deportivo. So they might they have they have a bit of a slim chance to get through, but I still think they'll probably go down. This was probably also once in a blue moon win since they hadn't won in a couple of months. Uh, down, also down at the bottom of the table, Huesca, they beat Real Sociedad one nil, which puts them one point from safety now. Uh, also four games to play. Uh, with Atletico Madrid at the top of the table, they actually narrowly beat Elche, who are still in the bottom three, one nil to remain at the top of the table. Funny enough, Elche actually had a chance to equalise an injury time of a penalty, but they hit the woodwork, so they still remain one point from safety with four games to play. Barcelona, they came back from 1-0 down to beat Valencia 3-2, making up for their lost last Thursday to Granada at home, which was a shock defeat. Sevilla, they also suffered a 1-0 defeat at home to Atletico Bilbao, who, if you also remember, beat Real Madrid two weeks, two weekends ago. Uh, which now leaves Sevilla six points off league leaders Atletico Madrid. So their title chances are kind of slipping away. If they wanted to stand a chance to win that, they would have had to beat Atletico Bilbao. Uh, so, yeah, with Real Madrid, they they won 2-0 against um, I- Ibar. And obviously this weekend's fixtures, uh, they see sees Atletico Madrid. Uh, they, they're, they're against Barcelona. So if Atletico Madrid can either draw or win, then I reckon they'll probably see them winning the title. So Villa, they, actually, they face Real Madrid. So if Real Madrid want to have a slim chance of winning La Liga again, they're going to have to beat Sevilla, which I probably reckon they probably will. And down at the bottom of the table, the fixtures uh, sees Elche. They play Real Sociedad uh, later on tonight. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. So a win tonight will see them temp- temporarily out of the relegation spot. Spots Elche until the rest of the teams play on the weekend. And Huesca, 
they're away to Cadiz on Sunday, and Ibar are away to Getafe on Sunday as well. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens there. And pretty much the, the league league positions have pretty much stayed the same. Top seven is pretty much the same. And the bottom three is pretty much the same, but it's getting a bit more tighter now. So, yeah, we'll see what happens this weekend. And um, we'll see if Atletico Madrid can be uh, get their points uh, tallying lower down. So, yeah, that's what's um, been happening in La Liga. No, I remember you saying before that you um, felt that it'd be a set kill that would that would win the league. Has that opinion changed at all for you, or are you still uh, of the opinion that Atletico will go on and, and win the league? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to still stick with Atletico Madrid. Um, they're they're still they're grinding out the results now um, after obviously losing losing the other weekend, and obviously they still they got Suarez and Felix back now, so that's gonna obviously that's gonna help them. Of them progress to the title and Real Madrid, they'll obviously with them getting knocked out to Chelsea in midweek. They might go on like a little winning winning run, but other than Benzema, they haven't really got much goal scorers in that team. And that's they probably I reckon they'll probably draw against Sevilla on the weekend. Because Sevilla, although they lost last weekend, they have they have been decent in the, like the last month or two. So yeah, I'm still sticking with Atletico Madrid. And what do you boys think? Do you, are your opinions still the same on your team? Who you think will win? Um, I, I think so because, like I say, how Real Madrid played uh, in the Champions League this week. I mean, they were they, they were really bad. I thought I didn't think they offered absolutely anything. And although Benzema is pretty much their only goal scorer, I think you know, against Sevilla, I mean that's one of those games that literally just could go anyway and not one result in that game would surprise me and I think the same as well Atletico and Barcelona like you don't really know again you can't predict which which result either game is going to go to so I think it will be the you know the crucial weekend I think what the results whoever benefits this weekend I can see sort of going on to win it and what about you Alex uh I think I'm still back in Atletico, really. Obviously got an eye on what happens against Barcelona this weekend. But uh, it's hard to predict because that really is a big decider. But I think Atletico, without being super clued up on it, I think Atletico will probably get like at least a draw against Barca and, like I said, still crawl to the title. I've got a back... Got to back my earlier prediction of us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, I can't go changing about it now. So, yeah, I'm back in a flicker still. So. Oh, nah, you're, you're, you're um, stuck with it for life. No, you're stuck with it to the end of the season, though, aren't you? You can't change your mind now. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, and, uh, no, sorry. Oh, I was just, just going to say, like, Barcelona themselves, I mean, they only just beat Valencia at the weekend, and we all know how bad Valencia are at the moment. And <laughs> the fact that they went behind Valencia as well. It must be quite worrying. I know they scored three goals. I think they all, they all came in the second half as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So you just don't know what what the form of the Spanish clubs, you know, truly yeah. reads at the moment. Uh-huh. And just out of curiosity, um, hypothetical question, of course. Um, someone puts a gun to your head and tells you you have to be a Spanish football team fan. <laughs> Which team are you picking? Which team would you? would you choose if you had to say I support this team who would it be um, probably Valencia just because they're the most like Arsenal 
<laughs> what the oh. rubbish? <laughs> yeah, used used to used to be good, and now they're just shit. Have we got a manager who doesn't deserve to be in the job? Yeah, exactly. Oh, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what about you, boys? Um, I've I've literally today just bought a book on um, uh, on the history of Spanish football, and particularly Real Madrid beat Barcelona. So maybe. My answer can come in a couple of weeks' time because, apart mm. from that, I don't really have a, a particular interest in Spanish football. It's an area I'm learning still at the moment, particularly yeah. focusing on. So, I'll give my answer in a couple of weeks' time, maybe. Oh yeah, well we'll um, keep an eye out for that. And um, what about you, Naim? Um If they were still in the league, I'd probably go with Malaga because, um, yeah, they used to have a decent team back in the day. But obviously now they're obviously in the league below now. Um, unfortunately, yeah. I'd probably go with Atletico Madrid. You know they've. They've always been in and around with Barcelona and Real Madrid, and you know they've gone to a few Champions League finals in recent years. And yeah, I, don't, I know I just always 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 liked them. I always liked Diego um, Simeone as a manager, and um, always wished that he would come to Arsenal. But obviously, that's never ever <laughs> going to happen. But yeah, yeah, no, it's, um, yeah, it's like um, what he's done with that team um, mm-hmm. since he's been there. Yeah, I'll, I'll go stick with them. Yeah, he's done a good job, hasn't he? Um, I'm probably done. I'm a Valencia man myself, so me and Ryan finally have something we can share. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, thank you, Naim, for our weekly Spanish football up, uh, roundup. Right. And again, next imaginary drum roll. Um, I'm going to pick the next league. It is Syria. So, our Italian man is Ryan. So, take it away. Right. Yeah. So, as we were saying last week. Inter were pretty close to champions. They are now champions. That was confirmed over the weekend because uh, Atlanta uh, drew against uh, Sassuolo. Obviously, Inter Milan, they won. So, by that, they are now champions for the first time since 2010. So, a momentous occasion for them. And, again, it's always a good thing to see a different team winning it. So, I'm happy that they didn't crumble and you know maintain the pressure throughout. Um, in terms of, I mean, they they won two nil on the same night as AC Milan. They won two nil as well at home to Benevento. Obviously, a massive result for them, and I'd say they're probably the, the biggest winners of the weekend because not only did they win, the teams around them will drop points. As I say, um, the only team that didn't drop points was Lazio. They were involved in a in a seven goal thriller at home to Genoa. They won four three. But Napoli, they dropped points at home to Cagliari. As I mentioned, Atlanta, they drew at Sassuolo. Uh, Juventus, I mean, they only just beat Udinese. Two very late goals from uh, Cristiano Ronaldo got them just over the line. But as I say, with Napoli and Atlanta dropping points, that's been a massive boost to Milan. And at the moment, um, I believe Atlanta, Juve and Milan all level on 69 points. Um, Napoli are on 67, Lazio are on 64, but Lazio do have a game in hand, so potentially they could go to 67, which just leaves two points between five clubs. So again, all to play for in terms of Champions League qualification. Uh, down at the bottom, uh, again, still mightily close between the clubs down there. Five points separate 13th place Genoa, and 18th Benevento, obviously 
both of those clubs lost at the weekend and it could still be any one of those clubs that go down, including Fiorentina, who only drew 3-3 against uh, Blognia. And again, it's just a weekend full of goals. Again, you know, there's always this cliche of Serie A being quite boring, but the last few weekends have been the complete opposite. There's been goals in every single game. I don't know if that's because the defending is, you know, piss poor or if the strikers are just on, you know, an amazing form at the moment. It's hard to say, but... Um, I mean, Roma's week got went from bad to worse. They lost two 0 to Sampdoria, and then somehow made it worse by hiring Jose Mourinho. Um, oh, <laughs> I don't know. Then, I think that's a good appointment. No, it's not. Trust me. <laughs> uh, um, and apart from that, you know, there's not. I mean, everything is pretty much still as it was. And again, there's only a few games left to play. But there is still so much to play for, although in there are champions. And yeah, it's going to be properly interesting. Um, I mean, the big game this week is Juventus, who are at home to AC Milan. That's a crunch oh. match for both clubs. I mean, Juve are obviously at home, so they have the advantage. But, you know, with the form that they're both in at the moment, again, that's a bit like the two Spanish games. It could very well go either game and come down to fine margins. And... I mean, apart from that, the only other big news really from Italy this week is the Italian Football Association, uh, you know, controversially have changed the format of the Coppa Italia. So, you know, the equivalent of RFA Cup, they've changed it so that only the 40 teams from 20 from Serie A, 20 from Serie B will be the only teams that enter up. So basically, Serie C, Serie D and all the clubs at the bottom of the Italian pyramid I've just been forgotten about, which really annoyed me because obviously I ranted about this on our first podcast about the you know hypocrisy of the football associations and everybody else who were you know going crazy about the Super League and they've just pretty much done the same kind of thing and you know someone made the good point that those lower league clubs they don't get far in it maybe so but those lower league clubs depend on you know the match day revenue the tickets and it's really the only other chance that some of those clubs are going to get, up, you know, go and so the likes of the San Siro or the Allianz Serena or, you know, one of these big clubs in Serie A. And yeah, that was, you know, bad move from them, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, that sort of decision really obviously takes away the magic of a, like, of a cup competition. I mean, you look at the FA Cup, for example, how many times do we see giant killings? You look at the Wimbledon Crazy Gang back in the 80s, you look at um, all these teams and like even Wigan winning the FA Cup in 2013. That, that, these, these these kind of things um, won't, won't, won't happen really if the, if the FA Cup had gone the same way as that Coppa Italia has been. So I think there'd be riots in the UK if they try if oh. they tried to do if they or in England if they if they if they did the same thing with the FA Cup and cut it to the top two leagues. They it'd be I reckon it'd be doubly as bad as the Super League because I'd be putting every amateur and non-league club out of business that yeah massively that, that that's it and as you as, as you say we, we always see league one league two the national league clubs you know it's always you know great to see we saw it i believe either this year or last year when uh when spurs went away it was at the solly moors or they went away yeah. yeah they went away to a very small club and 
you know, we all saw like you know Bale sitting there and Mourinho sitting on the touchline. Like you know, that's the kind of magic you're taking away from these Italian clubs, and it, it, it's not good to see at all. And as you say, it's 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 ridiculous decision, and hopefully they overturn it. But um, yeah, that's the uh, that's Italians for you. But I I think as well, like going back to Wigan again. But like, say for example, if they'd done this Nifty Cup about twenty years ago, and say Wigan, who were really low down in the football pyramid, and even someone like um, Swansea and Bradford in the League Cup, like these teams would never have made the final if this, this has happened all the years ago, because they wouldn't have gone up the leagues to um to get, to get the players. So I do think that it hopefully does get changed because I think that's just. Unfortunately, that would just, I think that was kickstart, I think, more of the sort of local, because there's talk about them doing a British Super League as well. So I do think once one or two leagues start doing it, I think a few other leagues might, unfortunately, may may want to try and do something similar, like in, in amongst their own in the country rather than do something worldwide. So hopefully that doesn't happen. Yeah, that's it. Um, I mean, one thing I did forget to mention as well, I mean, for, for some strange reason, there's, a lot of uh, media speculation and reports that Conte might leave Inter um, on obviously the back of them winning the title. Um, I believe it's just down to the ownership of the club at the moment. The Chinese owners, they're uh, obviously in a bit of a financial pickle themselves uh, back in their homeland. And you know they are looking to sell the club. So I think he's looking at that and he's going to sort of see what happens because, again... They have to then start selling some of their better players like Hakimi and Lukaku and Martinez. Then, obviously, he he's not going to want to stay. He's an ambitious manager, and you know it, it wouldn't shock me if you know he made the move. If he did decide to leave Inter, he, he you know we could see him back at Juventus maybe, um, mm. and perhaps Allegri at Inter. Or, so scenario I could definitely see how I, I have a different prediction. I think that Conte is going to leave next year and after Mourinho's horror season with Roma, he's going to go back to Inter Milan. Oh yeah, Ooh. that'd be very interesting. I mean, I, I don't think we've given enough attention to Mourinho and Roma because I think it's. I was just looking up the um, the the people behind Roma. The the, the sporting director announced in October was a guy called Tiago Pinto, who's a Portuguese man. That's the only reason I think he could hire. He would have to hire Mourinho because my opinion, Roma, they they look at. I don't know what you think, Ryan, but I think what it feels like they look at RB Leipzig, they look at RB Salzburg, and they look at New York Red Bulls, they look at Ralph Ragnick, and they go, "How do we do that?" But the opposite. How exactly. do we do do yeah. that? But bad. How do we me- how do we get young players in but old? And how do we get a progressive coach in who's not? And that's what Roma are. <laughs> this this is it, and that's why I, I I can't believe they've done that. Quite frankly, on the back of the job that Mourinho's done at Tottenham, you know, to get sacked from Tottenham is pretty low already. So, <laughs> oof, so to go and then, go- then sorry was sorry was. Basically lined up to go. Like he's been there, talked for months to go to Roma, and he's such a bad appointment in my opinion. Mourinho over Sari. This is it, and like I say, you know, Sari was linked with that job, and you know, most you know most bookmakers had him odds on to take it, and that for me would have been a very good appointment because Sari and Italian football they, they go hand in hand. You know, everyone saw the job that he'd done with Napoli, and you know, it was a it was a brilliant job. It just didn't work for him quite. At Chelsea, but any any club, whether it be you, I mean Juve won't obviously because it didn't happen for him there. But you know, 
in a AC, if one of these clubs needs someone, you know, by all means, I think he would be the right appointment. But Mourinho, I would be shocked if in 18 months he's still there. Same. Yeah, how, do, how do you reckon? Um, how do you reckon Chris Smalling and Mkhitaryan feel? Oh. Mourinho, <laughs> Mourinho going there. They'll probably love it. Mourinho loves experienced, terrible players, so they're probably like banging form for it. This is this is it. And, but strangely enough, them two players have been two of Roma's best players. Yeah, I heard Smalling's done really well. Yeah, I mean Mkhitaryan has as well. And but again, they're suited to. You know, some players are just suited to Italian football because they're so much slower in the Premier League. And as Alex mentioned last week about Lukaku, like that is why he is flourishing at Inter because he gets the space, he gets the time, and he's not obviously the quickest of strikers anyway. So this is why these kind of players make it there. And that's why we so often see when Italian players come over to the Premier League, you know, quite often it doesn't work out for them. And, you know, it's just because of the style of play. Yeah, I, I think we might do well. I mean, you mentioned that obviously Italian has got a slower pace, but obviously that, that suits Mourinho down to the ground. So I do think that might yeah, be perhaps. in his favour. Perhaps, yeah, because like I say, he he done a wonderful job with Inter Milan, but mm, yeah, f- for me, I just think he he lost his his spark and his touch a long time ago, and I just can't see him him getting that back. You know, that Roma jobs, he, he's gonna he's someone who wants to win trophies. You know, that squad is nowhere near good enough to challenge for anything for quite a while, and they're not exactly the richest club either. So I don't really, it was a, it was a really odd appointment for me. Well, that concludes our Italian football roundup. So thank you, Ryan, for, for that this week. Um, so we're going to do our penultimate league. So again, here comes the drum roll. I'm going to get our um, second to last league. Let's see who we get this time. We've got League 1. So, um, Alex, take it away. Oh, League 1, League 1, League 1. So I'll touch on what happened last week. See... The big game to touch on was Monaco versus Lyon. Um, that was a thrilling game. It is, it is everything French football could offer. It was end-to-end football. Some, some nice nifty play. Some intriguing refereeing decisions, which saw Monaco get a penalty. Uh, it, it, the game's good. It was, let's go too deep into it. Um, like Lyon won 3-2. After coming down from behind twice, they showed great character. They showed even better character in the fight after the match, which saw <laughs> uh, two Leon players get sent off and two Monaco players get sent off. Which is, if nothing else, it's funny to see full time whistle ninety fourth minute um, <laughs> for sendings off ninety ninth minute. So yeah, that was fun, and it set us up for an interesting weekend in League Gun. We have got Lons v Lille. Lille's probably last big game of the season. If they win this, Ligue 1 is potentially in their hands. Uh, whereas Lons, if they win this, then they have pretty much... Com- well, pretty much, but they've taken a big step forward to confirm Euro- European football in their first season in the Premier League, which is astonishingly good. And uh, besides that, we've got R- Ren v PSG... Ren trying to recover their season, but it, it, the, the main thing to report here is that this, this is the, the weekend where we see Lille. If Lille can beat Lons away from home, then Ligue 1 
will be in their hands with just two di- uh, two games to go, I believe. Possibly, yeah, two games to go, and those games I think are against like Dijon and Onja, so not the toughest of teams at all. And PSG, they if if PSG drop points this weekend, title race is done. And as well as the top four fight, there is now. Uh, it's the top four as it stands is Lille 76 points, PSG 75 points, Monaco 71 points, and Lyon uh, 70. So Lyon, who are playing Lorient, uh, will be hoping that uh, Monaco lose to uh, Reims or Rhymes or Rems, however you want to pronounce it. So yeah, it's still a very, very, very tight battle in Liga. At the bottom, I'll just touch on as well. Dijon, uh, say obviously completely down, and Nimes are they're not going to be safe so it's between Lorient and Nantes to escape the relegation uh playoff spot but again it was an entertaining weekend in Ligue 1 and again a very tense one uh coming up this weekend yeah this French league's probably I probably say this French league's probably one of the best that in Spain definitely Ligue 1 has got really good I mean you got four it's very similar actually to Spain isn't it in terms of the Six point gap between first and fourth. So I think, yeah. it's, it's, thankfully, Liga is on BT Sport, whereas I think it's a shame that things like Italy and Spain are both on Premier Sports, which means extra money on top of what you're already paying. So I do think it's a shame they're not on those channels. But um, I definitely will give that game a watch potentially if it if I can if I can get time to it. I think I will at some point this weekend maybe watch the um, that, that Leo game and see whether they can see whether they can do it. Even I might watch the, the final three weeks just to see whether they can actually. Go on and do it. Yeah, I mean, Lonsby, Lille. In fact, it is kicking off at eight o'clock tonight. So, oh, it, oh, wow. Okay. It, it depends. It depends how quickly we round up um, <laughs> uh, our last league with it, Premier League. We might be able to, might be able to tune in, but we'll have to see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that was um, that's a good round. Anything else to add? Anyone else before we go on to the last league? I mean, I'm really intrigued about Lens because. Or Lons, however you pronounce it. Um, they're a cl- again, obviously, Alex. You mentioned that it's their first season back in the, uh, the top flight in France, and you know, I'm really keen to see how they finish the season because it'd be great for them to to get European football at the very first attempt. You know, mm. I, I, I saw. I haven't watched their game, but I saw highlights from a from a win that they got not so long ago and you could see the celebrations after and how much it meant to them players to, you know, to get that result. And well, I'm hoping they do it. And again, I mean, I watched the Monaco and Leon game and it was exactly as you said, it was so entertaining and yeah. something that Liga has been missing for such a long time. You know, that kind of drama, you know, that's the kind of drama that you used to see in the Premier League and, it's just glad, you know. I'm so glad that we're seeing it now in such a league with you know such talent as well. And mm. yeah, I'm yeah, I'm very keen to see how that affects Monaco as well. Now to see hopefully if they don't crumble. And I know I'm not sure. Is it the top three or the top four that get in the Champions League? Top three. So one of these top four teams is missing out. Yeah, which would be a. I mean, hopefully it's PSG, but. <laughs> That'd, be That'd be amazing. <laughs> Just a, a similar point because we're talking about lawns. Can does anyone know the ex Chelsea wonder kid who is their top scorer? What's the one like Gal Kakuta or something like that? Yeah, bang on. Wow, wow. <laughs> eleven goals. Gal Kakuta, twenty nine <laughs> years old. Wow, wow, that's mad. Wow. 
There you go. That's that's the good. And what a nice way to end it on um the goat that is Gail Kakuta. <laughs> <laughs> so final league is Premier League, which is where I come in. Um so I've got a little debate I want to go for you guys, but a quick roundup before that. Obviously, a good week for Premier League with obviously two teams, three teams reaching European finals, uh, Chelsea and Man City, both reaching Champions League final and Man United reaching the um, Europa League final. I will mention the other game, boys. Um, Man City are very close to winning the league. They can win it on the weekend in a uh, preview of the Champions League final when they play Ch- uh, Chelsea on Saturday. Uh, Brighton secured survival with a 2-0 win at home to Leeds. Um Obviously, West Brom drew 1-1 with Wolves. I think they're all but down. Um, and then I think Fulham lost 2-0 to Chelsea. Uh, so I think in terms of relegation, I think that again, as we said in previous weeks, is pretty much done. And then in terms of top four, uh, big. it should have been a big weekend last weekend before the riots called off Man Liverpool. So that will be played on Thursday in what is quite a hectic week for Manchester United in terms of fixture pilot. They've got something like three or four games within a week. Uh, but obviously then uh, there's talk of him playing we saying he may play weaker sides in some of the games in order to try and win the Europa League so it'll be interesting if he plays against Leicester and Liverpool this week um, but I wanted to go through a debate with you guys um, as you know this season hasn't exactly been been great I think um, obviously with, with, with the start to the season we had Evan thought that this season was going to be one of the best but it has sort of, um, since then, this sort of relegation is pretty much done already. Title race has been done for weeks. Uh, with only top four, the only real sort of league, uh, sorry, battle left in the league this season. So I just wanted to sort of go through a couple of um, debates with you guys, sort of get your thoughts on this. So I just wanted to get you guys to have a little vote with you guys to see what you think is both the worst Premier League season of all time and also the best Premier League season of all time. So, for example... Um, for the worst Premier League season of all time, I think I'm going to have to go for this season. I think because with all the with no fans, first of all, you look at, uh, for example, the amount of bad VAR decisions there's been in this league, and what I was saying before about the fact that um, not much to play for towards the end of the season. So I just want to see what you guys thought. Uh, what do you guys think is the worst Premier League season of all time? Uh, oh, it's very. I mean, the worst, obviously, this season has to be a contender, as you say. But for me, when I sort of researched it, um, the worst one I felt was 2012-13 when uh, United won it that year. Um, you know, I think it's pretty memorable for Van Persie scoring that, that volley. Um, I mean, they, they won that season very, very comfortably. Obviously, I think I believe that was Fergie's last year as well. And not there wasn't else, you know, too much memorable that year. So I think that's my vote for the worst. And then the best for me is I think it'll be most people's as well as eleven and twelve, just because mm. of, of of the final day and just that alone. I think that will go down uh, in history as one of the best, if not the best, Premier League moment. So that's that's my one, I believe. Are we are we basing? Is it best? Are we allowed to define our own best and worst, or is it best as in most entertaining and worst as in least entertaining? Yeah, well, I think there's definitely different different levels. So it's obviously uh, you got to look at obviously because in terms of the worst, I think yeah, you got to look at things like 
obviously, if you look at the, the 2011-12 season, for example, as being the best, I think also you've got that moment. We've also got, um, for example, I think it was relegation, top four, and Premier League, or, and, and the title went down to the last day, which I don't think we've seen too often before. Um, and obviously, um, in terms of words, I think you've got to look at things like what's still to play for. You look at, I think, look at, I think some season, I think Anelka had with 19 goals at the most in the season. So I think there's definitely different layers to what can be counted as. I'll go through a, a controversial one. I'm going to base best and worst off purely off the quality of teams and competitiveness. I mean, I've got less res- research into it, but I think the best season was 1920 when Liverpool and City were yeah. two of the best teams we've ever seen. And oh, not, not actually, no, sorry, sorry, not 1920. 1819, the year City won it and Liverpool pushed them all the way. Because those are the two best teams I think we've seen, and they're both in their pomp. Liverpool got the Champions League that, that year, obviously, City came very close as well. They're like, girl, got knocked out by Tottenham quite unluckily. Both teams were playing the best football I think we've seen. Maybe mm-hmm. City have played the best football this season, but only in patches. And I think, uh, 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 do you know the worst? If we're going purely off quality, if we're going purely off competitiveness, and we're going off the, I guess, like the best players, it's it's fifteen, sixteen. Leicester Ooh. should Leicester should not have been winning that league. Chelsea bombed. City less bombed, but still United flailing. Arsenal bottled it. Tottenham bottled it. Leicester were the only team who could rise above them all. And it wasn't necessarily they played better football than everyone else, it's just everyone else was quite poor. Oh, I think that's very harsh on Leicester. I think you've got to... Oh, you agree. I think that season's got to be one of the best for me, purely for that, for the reason that they won it, purely for the fact oh, that... Oh, in they... terms of entertainment, it, yeah, it's top, it's hilarious. It's, it's brilliant watching them as well. But if, if we're going purely off the level of talent, level of skill, it's 15-16. It's, it's, it's yeah, but I, I do think that um, in terms of the best title races, I think I think obviously 2011-12 was was really good as well, and I do think um, maybe obviously sadly for me it ended the way it did, but um, I think that the 18-19 season that was one of the best title yeah. races ever. I mean, both teams got over 90 points. Both teams, I think, it's two of the top five points totals ever in the Premier League season. Both came in that year, so I do think. Um, of course, that was a very stressful year for me, but um, I think for most fans, I think neutrals especially, I think that was a great title race. But yeah. what, what do you think, Naeem? Uh, yeah, my best season, I'm going to go with obviously when Leicester won it, because, Ooh. you know, the season before that, they were, they were fighting relegation. Um, they only managed to come out of the bottom bottom positions, well, I think, game week 32, that, and then they went on an unbeaten run. So and then obviously at the start of the start of the next season, um, everyone thought Chelsea would probably retain a title or um, put put a challenge up, but they ended up finishing tenth. Uh, obviously, they sacked Mourinho um, halfway through the season. It's just I think it's, it's just because obviously the, it was like a fairy tale because you know seasons gone by. It's always Man City, United, or Chelsea always winning the league, and then even even the bookmakers they what they they had it what five thousand to one for them to win the league, and you know if you put money on that, then you you'd be laughing, but that. That would, be, that would be my best season because literally no one expected Leicester to, you know, go on such a run. Like, the only team to beat them home and away was finally enough was Arsenal. So, you know, they, they, they beat Man City 3-1 away. They didn't drop any points to Man United. They just... And with the team they had, you you just wouldn't think that they would, would, would do it, really, because 
you know, they had Kante in there, they had Mahrez in there, you know, these players that they got from, got from the French league for relatively cheap and seeing what they're doing now is, 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 is unreal. So I would go for that season to be the best season. I was going to be a bit biased and go for the invincible season, but, you know, mm. <laughs> you know that's just another story, really. But, yeah, I'll go for 15-16. In terms of worst season... Um, the Premier League usually is quite entertaining, but I'll probably go for the 2017-18 season, uh, merely for the fact that Manchester United, they you know they were top for about three, four game weeks, and then City, they they went on, I think it was a 17 or 18 game winning run, so it, there was literally, was, there wasn't no title race there. Um, the top four, that didn't really change too much during the season, and yeah, look, down at the bottom of the table, there was a bit, a bit more of a, bit more of a competition for the relegation places. But nah, I, I, I'll, yeah, I'd go for seventeen, eighteen season as the worst um, in recent recent years. So let's recap what we got. So, so best and worst. My best is eleven, twelve, and my worst is twenty, twenty one. Um, and boys, after three, all say your teams, your best and your worst seasons, one by one. So we'll go for Alex first. Name your best and name your worst season. Uh, best is 18-19, worst is 15-16. But as a caveat, I'd make a prediction the next season will be the best se- Premier League season we've ever seen. Ooh. Well, hopefully you're right. Hopefully it ends in um, the trophy at Anfield. But <laughs> hopefully Pixel fly as well. Um, and then mine, do you want to say yours? Yeah, so worst was 2012-13. Best was 2011-12. And then finally, um, Naeem, go for yours again. Yeah, so my best is 2015-16 and my worst is 2017-2018 season. And our final topic of the week, uh, Ryan has arranged a debate for us. So um, I've no idea what this is yet. It's a complete surprise to all of us. So um, I'm going to let Ryan take it away. Yeah, so obviously... Not too long ago, we all saw the Hall of Fame uh, Premier League inductees. Obviously, Thierry and Alan Shearer were the two uh, inaugural ones. And obviously, there was a, a list in which people could vote for the others. Now, I've, I've picked three strikers from that list to see what everybody thinks their rating should be, as in one, two, and three. Um, I've tried my best to pick three strikers that are that sort of have the same amount of appearances. Mm-hmm. And although I've only got the prep that stats from their Premier League time, um, I wanted it to be based off that, their whole careers, you know, and, you know, the legacies that they have left and the impacts that they had on their clubs. So uh, the three players, um, uh, Dennis Burkamp, Didier Drogba, and Michael Owen. Um, I'll just quickly read the stats off. Um, in terms of uh, Burkamp, he scored 87 goals, 94 assists, and had so basically his goal contribution was at 181 goals in 315 appearances. Um, Drogba scored 104 goals, 54 assists, so he only contributed to 158 uh, goals in 254 games. So, you know, obviously played a lot less games. And then Michael Owen, he scored the most goals in 150, but had the least assists with 31. So him and Burkamp actually have the same goal contributions of 
191. But Owen did play more games. He played uh, 326 times, obviously, different teams as well. So um, I'll, I'll leave my uh, sort of thing to the end and I'll let Andy go through his picks first. Oh, that is, that is um, some honour to be given first. first <laughs> I mean... I mean, all three players, first of all, great players. So I, I think anything anyone says out of all the four of us, I think um, there's definitely valid reasons for everyone. Um, so I do think, I think one day we'll see all three players eventually in, in the Hall of Fame. I think mm. what if, if this thing carries on for as long as people think it will, then I think one day we will see these kind of players eventually end up. I mean, I personally, I think Alex may share the same opinion as me. I, I think I'd, I'd, is there only one player picking, not two or three, just one? Just you just put them in order, basically. Oh, I see. Okay, so I'm gonna go for Drogba, Burkamp, and Owen. I think I've got Owen last, even though he was my first ever football shirt, Michael Owen. <laughs> Owen, he's back at Liverpool. I do think, unfortunately, because of his injuries, I do think unfortunately we didn't see him do it for as long as maybe others, the other two did. And I think that even though Owen was absolutely rapid and absolutely just amazing when he when he first broke through, sadly, I think injuries did. Did ruin his career, um, and I think for me, I think both Drogba and Burkamp, as we saw, had very sort of similar um, sort of combined goals and assists. I think that um, I think overall, I do think that I'd have Drogba over Burkamp purely for how he performed in big games. I know Burkamp got this was a great player, and obviously he had this thing where he scored had three goals in goal a month, one month, or something like that. Mm. And I think he was an, he was a special player. Don't get me wrong, but I just think Drogba. If there's one player in any sort of in the recent history of football you wanted in a big final, it would be Drogba. I mean, I don't know how many times he scored against you guys. I don't know how many times he scored in big cup finals. But and is 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 it is it is Premier League Hall of Fame based off all of all of their career or just their performances in the Premier League? I think I, it should be Premier League. I mean, look at some players. Obviously, um, Ronaldo was one of the best players of all time, but a lot of his good years have been away from. Away from um, Manchester City, so I think that could yeah. be the reason why he doesn't maybe get in as much because obviously he had those great three years, four years, but most of his career he's been at his best at, at Real Madrid and Juventus. I was going to say, like I picked these three players as well because all three of them majority majority. You know, Owen went to Real Madrid as well, but he wasn't there very long, and the, all three of them had their very best years. In the Premier League, for sure. I mean, Burkamp obviously was at Ajax and Inter Milan, but again, he spent a considerable amount of time mm. with uh, with Arsenal. So, yeah, I mean, I've based it off their entire careers, but I've only got their Premier League stats. Mm. I would go. Owen's last because uh, one, I'm too young to have watched him too often. Um, two, I think he's tarnished his legacy because he's too boring. And three, uh, I just think impact on the game. I I think if you put Michael Owen into teams now, he wouldn't have anywhere near the impact he ever did. Um, Mm. If it's purely on Premier League, Burkamp has to be over Drogba for me. Mm. Because I think Drogba's highlights came. If you ask me who the better player was, Drogba. But I think Drogba's highlights came in Europe, and particularly in the Champions League. Whereas in the Premier League, he had one or two 
super high high goal scoring seasons and he was way more than that i hate when people say Drogba was a terrible striker because he didn't score many goals he he was way more than that but yeah i think i think i don't know i think burkamp premier league wise did better than drogba but mm. i wasn't also i was also was not old enough to watch uh burkamp so again i i, I but I, I think it's balanced out by putting burkamp over drogba yeah, um, right, I would probably go with, number one was probably Dennis Burkamp. Unfortunately, also, I didn't see him in his prime, because um, obviously I was too too young to obviously see him. But, when you, you know, when you look back at, obviously, the videos of, of all these goals he scored, like, he was, he was a creator more um, more than a goal scorer as well. Um, I think he's the only, only player, like um, Andy said, to... Um, Finished first, second, and third in the goal of the month um, competition. I don't think any other players have done that before. Um, yeah, with the impact he, he had on our team, um, yeah, it was just it was just phenomenal. Sort of the goals he scored, uh, his impact. Number two, I'd probably go with yeah, I'd probably go with Didier Drogba because obviously he he was a man to obviously turn up in the in the big games. Um, in the Premier League, obviously he won it a few times, uh, but yeah, he. He, he was he was um, Arsenal's nightmare. I remember him always always scoring against us. You know, if if you want to bet on anyone ever to score, it was always him. Rooney always used to score against us as well. Um, what was he? It wasn't always good. But number three, Michael Owen. I'll probably say fairly because of the fact that I didn't really see too much of him in the Premier League. Um, because obviously I didn't really didn't really follow it back then. But uh, yeah, obviously he was there for a couple of seasons. He did score quite a lot of goals and everything. But um, yeah, I'd go with him as as my third third pick probably. Yeah, uh, I mean, for me, Burkamp is clear, and that obviously a lot of people point to that. Obviously, the bias of me being an Arsenal fan and saying with Naeem as well, probably. But um, I just think that his legacy and the impact that he had with Arsenal cannot go you know underrated and you, you look at how other players talk about you know these these strikers and you know, obviously Omri was incredibly feared but Burkamp for me wasn't an out-and-out striker he wasn't the same as as Drogba and Owen you know Owen was you know a, a poacher he he was always far forward you know Drogba was a little bit back but he was still a centre forward you know, Drogba was kind of uh, Burkamp was kind of in the middle of a of an Ozil and an Omri kind of type. Like you know, you can see the amount of assists that he got. You know, ninety one, uh, ninety four assists. You know, considerably more than both Drogba and Owen. You know, more than both of them actually put together. And the fact that he's got the, the I know Drogba did play less games, but Burkamp for me, would have still come out on top in terms of the goal contributions. Had Dropper played the same amount of games, it's only about 50 or 60 games less. And as, we've already, as we mentioned, like Dropper had one, maybe two you know, standout seasons in which he did score a lot of goals. But apart from that, uh, he didn't, you know, he, he did get a few assists here and there. And he did, you know, he did always break 10 goals. But, you know, I... I just feel like the essence of 
Bergkamp and what he did, not just for Arsenal, but also for Holland, um, for when he was at Inner, especially when he was at Ajax as well. Like the the creativity and the skill that he had, you know, just made him the complete player. And I just feel like he has so much more to offer than what Drogba and Owen did. So for me, he is clear number one. And then I've got Drogba and Owen. Um, that's no slight to Owen. You know, score 150 goals is a great achievement, especially, I know most of those did come with uh, Liverpool, but to score any goal with Stoke City is an achievement. And obviously he had his time with Newcastle, which he was pretty successful as well. Um, and obviously United as well, he had a little Im- impact there. But yeah, for me, I don't, I, I, I can't see past past Burkamp. I mean, you, you mentioned the legacy that Burkamp had at Arsenal, and obviously, yeah, I do totally get your point there. But you got you got to remember the amount of impact Drogba had on Chelsea. I mean, you look at even I know you mentioned big games in like Champions League, Africa, but even in Premier League, within even games against so many games, the big games Chelsea had. I remember the even though he was definitely offside. I mean, the, the goal against Manu at Old Trafford 2009-10 season when obviously he got the goal there. You look at um, numerous games before where he just, every every against any big team, remember the goal he scored against us when he sort of takes the ball in his chest, turns around, shoots first time. I mean, so many times he scores amazing goals and so many times he would just, um, you know... Uh, oh. Big, but at the same time, I do get your point that Burkamp was obviously about goals and assets. So I do think... I can I can definitely see your point of view there. I can I can I can definitely agree with that. So and with uh, with Drogba as well, just to throw in as well, because another thing that gets brought up just to dispel something, because another thing gets brought up about him to take him down a peg is there was a season 2010-11 where um where he had he scored less than ten goals, I believe, and all people always dunk on him and say this is no Premier League great can have a season like this. I will say he was ill with malaria for a very long time without realising after coming over from African Cup of Nations. Mm-hmm. So I, I think people, that, that's just something to throw out there. When, whenever you look at the 10-11 season and you go to Judge Jogba, just remember he, he he was very sick with malaria and uh, it did hinder him from playing a few games or it, it did hinder his performances too. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, without a doubt, like I say, and arguably, obviously, Drogba led Chelsea to a Champions League, something that Burkamp didn't do. But I mean, Burkamp was in 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 that unbeaten season, and yeah, if it's both, on Premier League, it has to be Burkamp. But if it's overall, it's Drogba quite easily. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think Burkamp would have gone on to become one of the. I mean, he's already one of the best players, in, in, like in in history. But he would have been even better for me if he didn't have that that fear of flying and it meant he could play more European games. Cause I think that's a fact that gets mm. over mm. so often. Like he didn't, he hardly ever played in, in, in Europe. And obviously that had such a negative impact, not just on him, but Arsenal as well. But um, yeah, for me, just, just for how special a player he was. Yeah. I can't, I, I, I certainly can't see above him. I will say with both players of Burkamp and Drogba, if you, if you put them into, Chelsea, City, Liverpool, whoever today, they'd still be like top Premier League strikers. They'd probably like oh, break ten, twenty goals. Oh, yeah. If you put Owen into it today, he'd be he'd be he'd be like Kalecchi in Nacho, but less good <laughs> at heading. 
Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So he'd be, he'd be all right, but no, nothing noteworthy. I hope Michael's not listening to this. Sorry, sorry, Michael. You, you're terrible. You're boring. Oh, well. If you are listening, I, I, I still forgive you for um, good man you. I, I don't hate you like a Liverpool fan. If you are listening, Michael, and I'm gonna put my neck on the line and say you're very welcome on the pod anytime you want. <laughs> Same goes for Dennis. Not Dennis. Yeah, Dennis, if you're listening, I mean, sadly we are in the UK, so there's no need to fly to us. So you, you should be okay. <laughs> and Drogba as well. If you're listening as well, please come on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um, t- in terms of that debate I think there's definitely a clear winner and a clear second and a clear third I think I've been very outnumbered in my in my vote here I think um, so Burkamp is our vote for the um, best out of the three and I think then uh, we've got Drogba second and Michael Owen third and I will as we are doing with our best and worst Premier League seasons uh, I will put on the um Twitter page as well. I will put on a vote for out of the three who they'd have as their choice to go in the Hall of Fame. So I will put that on the on the socials as well. So uh, again, ne- next week when you do the podcast next week, we will reveal the um, the results of the of the of the vote and who who the internet thinks is the best of the three. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that 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 does conclude our podcast for the week. Um, there's some final um, other sporting news that's happened this week. Uh, with obviously with Turkey being on the red list for um, travelling, uh, there's increasing talk of the Champions League final being moved to um, England with Villa Park with Wembley unavailable due to the playoff final. Um, there's talk of I think Villa Park is so far the front runner if they were going to move it to England. Uh, Leicester and Newcastle are currently playing in the Premier League. I'm just going to check what the current score is. It's only very early on, so it probably is going to be still nil-nil, which it is. Uh, and other football news: um, the Big Six among are among nine ex Super League clubs who are now committing to UEFA, but Barca, Real Madrid, and Juventus are the three teams that haven't yet uh, done this. Um, and yeah, as I said before, Man U, Man City, and Man and Chelsea are going to be the two teams that will play in the Champions League final, and then the Europa League final is going to be Villarreal against Manchester United. So that concludes our um, podcast this week. Uh, thank you once again, boys, for coming on. And we'll um, see you next week. Yeah. Cheers, guys. <laughs>